0: Hello, everybody. My name is Rodrigo, and this is the Way of the Wayfarer podcast. This here with me is Perry Keeve. Perry desires to have many a children. It's true. Up to 10, he it's has true. said, because supposedly he lost family and children. But I know for a fact that this is a ploy to take <laughs> over the earth. All of that was true. And with that in mind, today <laughs> we are talking about community, Perry. And the reason why we're talking about this is because... Uh, Through many of my readings Mm -hmm. and thoughts and thinking about church and the kingdom of God Mm -hmm. and us trying to figure out how to live life as kingdom people, uh, this whole idea of community has been uh, really in my mind, uh, mainly because I've been reading this book uh, that's super interesting, and I recommend everybody to to read it. It's called uh, Walking in the Dust of Rabbi Jesus. Mm. It's a super interesting book, and basically the author... uh, Goes through several New Testament passages and talks about uh, the Hebrew understanding of said passages. And early in the book, one of the passages that he talks about is uh, that she talks about is when Jesus asked in all those synoptic gospels, What are the most important commandments? And right. he says, Love the you, Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And the second is like it, Love your neighbor as yourself. Right. And before I sort of delve into what she talks about in the book and sort of what I've been thinking, um, the reason why I think it's important for us to have this conversation is because one way or another, Perry, we have arrived at an understanding of Christianity that's very individualistic. Mm. We tend to think of Christianity as very much a uh, solo journey, if you will. Which is very interesting because most of us who would consider ourselves practicing Christians, we all go to church, right? Which usually has several people in it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yet, we sort of go to these place where there's tons of people. And depending on the kind of congregation that you go to, our congregation, we have a lot of friendships in our congregation. and sure. uh, We're not just church members, but we're actually friends with these people. Uh, there are people, some of the closest friends I've ever had in my life are, are members of my church, mm-hmm. uh, yourself included. Yep. And, uh, but at the same time, like I feel like, and, and when I was reading this book, like it hit me like a ton of rigs on how my mind has been uh, shaped to think of Christianity as this solo journey. Sure. And one of the things that even uh, the author of this book talks about is how even worship to the Jews, was never an individualistic thing. Almost every single time, the vast majority of the Psalms and in Deuteronomy and Leviticus and all that stuff, when worship is talked about and when worship is portrayed, is very much portrayed in the context of community. Even one of my favorite Psalms is Psalms 42, uh, just like a deer pants for water, I right? pant for you, Lord. and mm-hmm. All this stuff, and later on in that psalm, it talks about how this person misses worship, right? And how part of what they miss is being able to lead a group of people towards oh. the temple, and so how this person basically was even missing the communal part right. of worship, right? And and again, even like when you when you hear a lot of our songs of worship, a lot of specifically modern worship songs, they're very much about how like the individual worships and how we feel and how we think about God. But in reality, if you look everywhere in the Bible, worship is a community thing. Hmm. Even righteousness is a community thing. The Old Testament so many times addresses not only individual righteousness, but the righteousness of the people of God as a whole. And so uh, let me begin with this, because I think this will, this will give us a good framework to have this conversation, my good friend Perry. Uh, this is in Deuteronomy 19, I mean, sorry, in Le- Le- Leviticus 19, and then we'll read, we're going to read two verses here. Uh, this is in uh, Leviticus 19, verse 18, it says, Do not seek revenge or bear a grudge against anyone among your people, but love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. Hmm. And later on in verse 34, it says, The foreigner residing amongst you must be treated as your native-born. Love them as yourself, for you were foreigners in Egypt. Hmm. I am the Lord your God. And basically, uh, where Jesus gets the command of, like, love your neighbor as yourself is from the scriptures in Leviticus. And interestingly enough, in both cases... The context isn't an individual one, and so what does it mean? And, and see, here's a crazy thing. And, and when I heard this, again, it hit me like a ton of bricks. Because I have always thought of "love your neighbor as yourself" as I'm going to love somebody else as I would love me. Right. And so many times, even at church, I've heard uh, people teach of like, you know, you can't love other people unless you love yourself," mm-hmm. and sort of this very psychologically, right? You know, very psychology-driven right. thing. But the interesting thing is that in the context of all these scriptures, and even in the language itself, in the original language in Hebrew, uh, love your neighbor as yourself doesn't have an individual meaning. Right. What it's talking about is like to love people as you will love your own people. Mm. Like love your neighbor as one of your own, like as one of your own family is basically what it's saying. Right. And basically, the directive to love the neighbor as yourself is not one of, like, based on how I would love myself as an individual, but how I would love, like, the closest people to me. Right. Which takes a whole nother dimension when you think about it, because to love the alien amongst you as if it was, like, your very own family, especially when you know something about Israel's neighbors. Right. Like, that is a big thing to ask. Right. Right. You know what I mean? And so, again, like, I feel like since I've sort of discovered this, read this, like, I've really uh, been very challenged to change uh, my framework of thinking as to what it means to love your neighbor as yourself. Absolutely. And even you
1: bringing that point up, what comes to my mind is, well, why have we taken it from the biblical context of, like, Christianity being a community to Christianity being this individual yes you know we're all just kind of our own individual pilgrims walking on our way and maybe we can help each other sometimes but my relationship with God is my relationship with God. Uh, And no one else can affect that unless (laughs) I want them to affect it. You know what I'm saying? Uh and I I just like the question that comes to my mind is how have we arrived to that point? Does that make sense? Yes.
0: And I think to be honest with you, it's interesting and and I, I feel like I've had this conversation with a lot of people recently we we don't take enough uh, stock as to how much we allow uh, modern thought to sort of invade our Christianity. And I think sometimes modern thought is very helpful in us understanding the Bible. But I think even something like... We don't take stock of, for example, how much uh, something like uh, science and sort of our Western... Uh, our Western ideal of what is true uh interferes with some of our understanding of the Bible and I'll give you a perfect example. we don't do not do well with ambiguity. <laughs> like we are trained to like things have to be either one right. or the other. right. And so much so, and I'll give you a perfect example. so much so that it is not until after the uh, uh, around the time of like a lot of uh a lot of big philosophical progress and scientific progress, that we begin to really form these ideas of um, uh, predestination. Right. And uh, Calvinism is basically what I'm talking about. And sort of the idea, because it's it's interesting, because whether you are a Calvinist or whether you are an Armenian, which is the other side of that, of the whole, like, we have free will and we get to decide, as opposed to, like, God chooses, Mm -hmm. right? The interesting thing is that if you read through scripture, right, there's enough fuel to light your fire on either side of right, the argument. Right, And the interesting thing is that, for example, in Eastern cultures, people would be totally comfortable with that ambiguity. Mm-hmm. Like, it, to, to many people for many, many centuries, that was totally fine. Right. But because we've advanced sort of science and thought and sort of like truth in a sense to a degree in which we can, for a lot of things, Mm -hmm. uh, arrive at a a very solid conclusion of, like, no, it's this one thing, right? Right. We feel like we have to adhere to one or the other, and it's really difficult for us to say, like, well, in the Bible, there's sort of fuel for both. You know what I mean? And so, like, it's like, no, decide which one you are. Right, right, absolutely. It makes sense. Yes, and so, like, I feel like there's a lot of things like that in which, like, our greater culture, if you will, has pushed us in a certain direction and, and it doesn't surprise me that we've arrived here a sort of this individualistic view of Christianity since we become a very individualistic society. Right. Like it's just it's just how it is. And I think in, and I think the I think where it gets really dangerous is that sort of this individualistic um, mindset has really Uh, sort of laid the groundwork for a lot of like the more dangerous, uh, I guess, Christian teachings of our time, like the prosperity gospel Mm. only really makes sense if you view Christianity as this individualistic thing where we are the subjects alone of all the blessings and of all like God's graces and stuff. When in reality, even if you read through the New Testament, a lot of times when <clears throat> the New Testament writers talk about grace, they talk about it in terms of how it benefits the community right. and not just the individual. Right. And so, like, I, like, again, I feel like there are so many things that because we, we sort of let... And, and, again, I don't think that's true for everything. I think, like, uh, our, our culture is going to influence us whether we like it or not. I right. just think that we need to be careful of where we're letting it do harm as as opposed to good absolutely
1: and i think i think a lot of this also comes from just a bad understanding of what the bible is and what the Bible's trying to tell us yes and i, I think we've kind of uh, pigeonholed the bible into this category of oh that's the book that teaches me how to get to heaven right um rather than the book that shows us who god is and what God wants, and how we fit into that. So I think about uh, back in Genesis, where God gives Abraham the kind of threefold promise, right? Uh, like, I'm going to bless you, you're going to multiply, and then through you, I'm going to bless everybody. everybody. Yes. And but, but even the Jews in the Old Testament got that all mixed up. They forgot that whole last thing of I'm going to bless everybody and thought, no, this is about us. And so then you get to the New Testament, and when Jesus says, well, Jews love your neighbor or even your enemy like you love yourself right you know that means that you have to now extend these blessings and 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 the way you treat each other to the rest of the world and the point of all of it was that people would know who god was he was going to choose a people and i I think about this scripture because i think this is the heart of uh christian community in john 13 you know this this is Uh, after Jesus washes their feet and in the beginning of John 13, it says that he shows them the full extent of his love, which that's the full extent of God's love too. So, you know, and then, uh, we all know the scripture in 1334, um, let me pull it up real quick. He says, a new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. But the goal here is that everyone knows who Jesus is. Yes. You know? And and it wasn't like, hey, love one another. That way you'll be able to get to heaven. Or your individual salvation will be taken care of. It's like, no, the community that you guys build, based on the building blocks of how I have loved you, which is vastly different from anything else that anybody has seen, like, one, that is going to be the backbone of your community. And two, other people will see the blessings of that. They will see God. They will see me, and hopefully, they'll want to be a part of it. To sure. be a part of that community.
0: You know, and it's interesting that even you brought you bring up this scripture because I think we again we talk a lot about how people are going to know us as individuals. Mm-hmm. How will they know that we're Christians? Right. And and I may I may be wrong because I'm thinking off the top of my head. Uh, But there's no explicit scripture that I can think of that says, like, hey, as far as you're concerned, you individually, you, Joe Christian, (laughs) this is how people are going to know that you are one of Jesus' disciples. Right. right?" But there are several places, whether it's by Jesus' words or one of the apostles or Paul, where where they talk about, like, hey, by the way that you as a whole— engage with one another, people will know that you're Christians (sighs) or not.
1: Absolutely.
0: And again, like, as I've been thinking about this, like, this stuff just floors me. This is what floors me the most, Perry, is, like, how much I've ignored it. Right. Like, because once you realize it, like, once you realize how much community is implied in Scripture... Once you realize it, you begin to see it everywhere. Not because all of a sudden it's appearing out of, like, subjection. It's because, objectively, it's been there the whole time. Right. We've right. just, like, ignored it. Right, absolutely. You know what I mean? And, and, it, and it really makes me think, again, as to, like, what does that then mean? Like, if if to really love my neighbor as as... As myself doesn't necessarily mean me individually, but as uh, what it means to like this, to le- to love them the same way that I love my children or right. my wife or the people closest to me. Right. Because I'll be honest, and I th- 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 and this is this goes for me. This is a very personal thing, right? There are things, um, and I'll give you a very simple example. Like there are things that I will do. That I'll be willing to suffer through, for example. Sure. That I will never let my children go through. Right. You know what I mean? Like, uh, and I'll give you a super simple, benign thing. Like, sleeping on the floor, for example. Mm -hmm. Right? Like, there there have been times that, say, we go uh, on vacation or we go visit family or whatever. Like... And again, it's a very benign thing. But in my mind, I'm like, I'm not going to let my children sleep on the floor. I'm going to bring, like, an air mattress. I'm going to bring, like, uh, something. So, like, they can be comfortable. Right. Right? And say that there's only one air mattress. And it's happened where, like, my kids have slept on on an air mattress and I've slept on the floor. Right. Because I'd rather my kids be comfortable than I be comfortable. Right. And all I'm saying is that there are times that I will, like, sacrifice for the people closest to me, right, because I care more about their comfort, their needs, than I do my own. Right. Right? And I think, like, that's the challenging part is, like, for a total stranger, mm-hmm. I'm supposed to display that kind of love. Right. And then I'm like, yeah, that is, that is a lot more challenging in so many ways right. than to just see it as, like, loving myself alone. Right. Well, and I think even to extend that, like,
1: like that is to assume that f- loving family happens perfectly in general. Right? You know what I'm saying? No, that's true. So, like, I, I think about this commandment or or this aspect of Christianity and of God is very difficult because connecting and being in harmony with other people, whether they're strangers or not. In fact, I think oftentimes. It might even be easier to treat the stranger well when we got beef going on in our own families, you know. True. And and you think about the drama that can happen at in churches or the drama that can happen in these different Christian communities. And and, and and in my mind, that is what why this is such a hard teaching because it's easier for it's easy for me to love people until they stab me in the back, right? Or until they they do me wrong, and then I feel like I have the right to kick them out of my life, or treat them poorly, or to turn my back on them, yet, and and, and the, the mindset is like, well, I gotta protect myself, you know, and uh, I gotta make sure that I don't, that I'm not dumb, and that I'm being wise, and not putting myself at a disadvantage, Right. when Jesus had Judas in his group the whole time. <laughs> You know, and someone can look at at Jesus and be like, well, Jesus was unwise. It's like, but he's God. So he's not unwise, but he's showing us that even though within your own community, there might be people who have your, don't have your best interest in mind, like the way to remedy that is not to hunt them down or to murder them or to kick them out, but to show them even more love. And yes, you might be disadvantaged in the end, but... God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. You know, like, God will have the final say. Faith will be rewarded. And sin will reap the benefits
0: or non-benefits or the consequences of itself. Sure. And I think you bring up a good point in that uh, sort of the the framework, because some people will listen and will hear this and be like, well, you're asking me to love my family, other people as I would love, like, my family. Like, my family wasn't very loving. Right. You know, what right, I mean, in some in exactly. some people's, uh, I guess, framework for that idea probably isn't very. Uh, they they don't have a good reference point. Is on I'm sure. saying. Sure. And I think this is when it, I think it's useful to sort of operate under the assumption of an ideals, <laughs> an yes. ideal scenario, because because even like in, uh, I don't know that I've ever talked about it on this podcast, but I do another podcast and I've, that's come up on that one. Um, Like, I didn't grow up, I grew up without a father, basically. Like, he was around, but not really. Sure. And even though he may have been physically around, even to this day, he's not necessarily emotionally present. And so I feel like that sort of really left, in many ways, a big hole in my life. Uh, But I think the the mere fact that that hole exists uh, is a big testament to what how dearly we hold family yeah. in our minds, that even though, like, the the pain, if you will, that is attached to my father not having been around is based on what an ideal father mm-hmm. would have been like. Right. You know what I mean? And right. all I'm saying is that even though many of us, many of us have a good reference point for what a good family is, and therefore... Uh, when we hear like, "Hey, love, love your neighbor as you would your family," right? They go like, "Well, I don't have a good reference point for mm-hmm. that." To a certain degree, we all have a, a, a an ideal in our minds as to what that would be like, right? And if your experience, if you in, indeed your family experience was not good, then what I would suggest is like, go by the ideal. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, go by like what you feel it is that you missed, right? Because I think that is that. Unfortunately, that is true for many of us. We're like our family lives weren't necessarily the greatest. Right. And, uh, and at the same time, there are so many things in uh, the Bible that sort of point us in the good direction as to what a good, healthy community ought to be like. Right. You know what I mean, like I love uh, when Paul says in Romans, like, hey, let jo- let love amongst you be genuine, mm-hmm. be hospitable to one another. You know, Acts 2 certainly comes to mind. Like, all these snippets of what, like, a good, healthy family, really, a good, healthy uh, Christian community ought to be like, like, I think that's what we have to strive for. Absolutely.
1: I I think, so as a minister, I've studied the Bible with a lot of people, and you just kind of mentioned this in your own life, but one of the most consistent things that I've seen uh, in men, right, is that the absence of a parent, particularly a father, um, completely shifts and transforms somebody's upbringing. Yes. Um, and, and even more than that, I think, uh, um, a divorce between parents. Now, having my own, I have one kid, and I'm about to have another one. Um, Two of ten. <laughs> hopefully, prayerfully. <laughs> um, and there's, one, there's so much joy in having these kids. Yes, Uh, But more than that, there's so much, I'm not even going to say pressure. What I feel is this deep sense of inspiration of, I want to be the best father possible. absolutely. Because I want them to be filled up in every way and to have every fundamental building block that they need to be the best human beings on the face of the earth. And I understand that, like, a large part of my role as a father is to build those building blocks, is to provide for them in the ways, and not just like materially, but when it comes to love and laughter and and just uh, listening and being there with them. And I think there's that scripture where the disciples come up to Jesus and like, "Hey, Jesus, your uh, mom and brothers are outside." And Jesus <laughs> says, "No, yeah, you guys are my you know my brothers, family. my family." And that's such a to me, you know, it talks, the Bible talks about God being the father of the orphans, you know, a father to the fatherless. And specifically for those people who may not have had a father or did not have a good family, I think that's one of the primary reasons why God is saying this in John. Like, we are going to build a new kind of community, a new kind of family, and its purpose will be to fill people up in the way that maybe growing up they, Their family. Were, yes, they were never able to experience. And, yes. and some people might have experienced a good a good upbringing, and, and they can uh, be even better uh, participants in this family because they know how. But I, I just think, in, in my opinion, it's this is one of those things where it's like we always think about heaven as the ideal, like one day we'll be there. right? But this is one of those aspects about God and his kingdom that, like, He's wanting us to experience heaven now. Right. He's wanting us to to experience the kingdom now. And and one of the most beautiful things about heaven is that there will be a fantastic, beautiful community that loves each other like Jesus loved.
0: You know, Barry. It's I think it's super interesting you mentioned that. And I think a long time ago, I feel like we had this conversation because uh, it's back when I was watching The Walking Dead. Ah. Because one of the interesting things, and we don't think about this enough, right? Because I think we've all been a part of unhealthy communities. Yes. And I think part of what I think part of what we're addressing here is the power of a healthy Christian community. And uh, I think one of the interesting things is again being part of an awesome community where people take care of each other, love each other, look out for one another. It feels great, man. Like it feels really good. Yeah. Yep. And the opposite is horrible. Right. And the reason why I mentioned The Walking Dead is because when I started watching the show, one of the things that I, I think is very interesting about the show itself is that the bad people survive. Right. And then you're left in a world full of bad people. Right. And that world stinks. <laughs> Absolutely. That is a bad community. Right, right. You know what I mean? And it's interesting because all the good people die. Right. Uh, but again, like I, I, I feel like an, like hell you know what I mean, is going to be filled with the worst people. Absolutely. And that's where we're going to spend eternity. Right. And, and again, like you said, we have a chance, in a sense, to experience a slice of heaven when we build healthy, loving, caring communities. Right. And, and again, I think um, this all goes to the idea of, listen, if I'm righteous, right, that potentially creates a lot of good influence, mm. right? But if 10 of us are righteous, you know what I mean? Like, we, we're basically multiplying righteousness by 10. Right. You know what I mean? Right. And, and again, that thought to me is amazing. Like, the fact that there they can, can be a lot of power within one individual, yep. but there is so much more power within a community. Absolutely. And, and again, you see this, Uh, you see this very early on in the New Testament where, you know, Acts 2 describes this community where, like, people are taking care of each other. They're selling things to feed the the poorest in the community. Uh, Early on, again, in in the book of Acts, trouble begins to happen when there's a part of the community who is neglected with with Mm -hmm. the Sinafian widows, you know what I mean? And they sort of have to press pause and be like, we need to take care Mm -hmm. of this situation. Mm -hmm. And so... And again, like, you read 1 Corinthians, you read Philippians, you read Acts, you read all of this stuff, and you get the idea that a lot of Christianity was happening right. in the context of a community. Absolutely. And, um, you know, one of the things that I think is important that we talk about is, like, how do you how do you even build that? You know what I mean? Because, for example, we have—and again, this, this is what I was thinking as I was sort of talk, thinking about this— uh, our group, our church has small groups in it. You know what I mean. Like our church is basically made up of small groups. Right. And the first question that I had to ask myself is like, do I feel like my small group is really a right. loving, caring, right? Like this sort of the ideal of what I would think a Christian community is. And you know, and and I and I don't mean this in a bad way. All the people in my group are awesome people. Like sure. I love them all. Sure. But it's almost like. Again, it feels like it's a group of people made up of awesome individuals. Mm -hmm. It doesn't feel like we are a community. Right. If that's... It makes perfect sense. Yeah. I I think
1: this goes back to, like, how have we gotten to the individual mindset? And I think about what church even is. Because I think, like, I had a conversation with somebody the other day who said they've been a part of their church for six years. Okay, um, them and their and their mom, six years, all right, and they don't know anyone in that church mm. other than the pastor. Uh, and I'm like, well, you you know, you've never been to somebody's house for dinner or you had somebody over at your house. And he's like, nah, you know, we just kind of come on a Sunday, kind of get you know, get the good worship, <laughs> and then and, leave. and then leave. <laughs> and I thought like, wow, that's not church, right? You know what I'm saying? Like. Why not just watch a YouTube video? You know right. what I'm saying? Like, why not watch church on TV? What's the point of that? And and one can say, well, you know, there's there's a community there. And it's like, right, but if we're not actively building the com- kind of community that we see in the scriptures, then church is completely pointless. I don't care how good the 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 sing- song worship is, sure. the concert that you may have. I don't care how good your production is. I don't even care how good your, your preaching is. Like it it has to be about Exemplifying God's kingdom. Yeah. Uh, and the backbone of that is community. So you ask the question, well, how do we build that? I think first and foremost, we have to understand like what church is for. Yeah. And the point of church is to facilitate this kind of community. And if 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 our congregations, I don't care what denomination you're a part of, like if our congregations are set up to where people can come and stay in. Ambiguity in the back for years, like, it is missing some fundamental element of what the church should be. Um, and I think as even as we think about our own personal small groups, like, I, I think it's easy to be a part of a church, plan events, go to events... But all of it be this kind of obligatory, like, I'm doing this because I'm a part of this thing and I know I have to. Right. Rather than actually building something that people truly want to be at. Because I guarantee you, in Acts 2 and even around Jesus, like, people wanted to be there. I mean, he had to – well, he didn't have to turn anybody away. Uh, but there were large crowds following him. Yeah. I mean that's the kind of church I want to be a part of, where large crowds are coming. And again, I think we're so individualistic that the things that draw large crowds today, kind of like in John 6, just people just want their bellies filled a lot of times.
0: Yeah, no, it's true. You know? It's true. And, you know, it's interesting because I do feel like there's one, there is one very powerful thing that we can all do tomorrow. Right. Right. That will go a great way, a, a, yeah, a great way to creating uh, a deep sense of community. And before I get into that, let me say this, because I, I do think, uh, talking about sort of uh, modernity. Sure. The, um, the, the field of uh, sociology and all that. So like sociology, part of what they uh, study is, is communities and right. how communities work. And um, there's, there, there basically exist two types of communities. There are what are called value communities, Mm. which is basically like uh, the Harvard Alumni Association. Like that, for example, has value just because you you can say like, hey, I'm a Harvard alum. Right? Right? Like that has an intrinsic value to it because Harvard is an important institution. Uh, But then there's a functional community that is actually a community in which people have relationships and which people support each other. And I think one of the dangers that we run into is that, church can very easily be a value community. Absolutely. Like, hey, we're all members of X, Y, or Z church. Right. And we're all members literally just on paper. Right. But we're not members of a community mm-hmm. in the sense of, like, we love each other, we take care of each other, we look out for one another, we help each other, all of that we're stuff. We're doing this together. Right. And it's interesting. I, I think, as I mentioned before, like, it took me a long time to sort of make the decision to to follow Jesus. Mm-hmm. Like, two years and a half, mm-hmm. right? But during that, during that time, uh, I think one of the things that really helped me was to see the power of the Christian community. Yeah. Uh, I know, I've known my wife since we were in high school. And when we were in high school, uh, my family and her family became good friends. Mm-hmm. And uh, during the time that I knew her, uh, they moved homes. This was, we lived in Miami, and they were moving from our house to another And one of my first experiences with, like, a wow moment of, like, how awesome is this community is that they were moving, and they had asked people to come and help. And Perry, I was, like, floored, man. (laughs) Because there must have been, like, 40 people at their house just helping them move. Right. Like, we got out of the house in, like, 30 minutes (laughs) because there were so many people just, like, putting stuff in a truck that I was just, like... What is happening? <laughs> and something, dude, like, moving is a pain. Right. It's horrible. Absolutely. Right? Like, it, it in the list of things that you don't want to do, in the top five, moving yep. is, like, I there. I agree You know 100%. what I mean? Moving is horrible. And so, but, to be able to take care of something as horrible as moving with so much help, I was like, man, like, this is, this is power. And this was, like, cynical. Right. Like, not into the thought of, like, yay together right like this this was me you know what i mean and like and that was like a very powerful thing for me is like that's when i that's if anything what it did for me that day perry is like it moved me from like these people say that they're christians but they're really insincere right to going like no like there's something here right Absolutely. You know what I mean like that it did that for me.
1: It did John 13 for you. Yeah,
0: no, absolutely. Yeah. Abs- exactly. It did yeah. John 13 for me. And I think and again, I think that we don't think enough as to the power of community and going back to what I was saying, I think there is one thing that is easy and super powerful that we can do tomorrow yeah. to really build community and that is to be hospitable, man. Yes. Like uh hospitality And having people over at your house and cooking for them and serving for them, like, I feel like in many ways, it's such a lost art. Yes. You know what I mean? Like, I grew up in a very hospitable home. Like, my mom uh, was super hospitable to people. My grandparents, like, on Sunday, uh, when I lived in Mexico, Sunday was the day that, and I had a big family in Mexico, that everybody went to my grandma's house to spend the afternoon. And my grandma would, like, cook massive amounts of food right for whoever would show up right and sometimes that would be like six people and sometimes that would be 20 people right but my grandma was like ready for the <laughs> worst you know what i mean and right. that and that really stayed with me man like i i feel like hospitality uh has been such a gift like me me and my wife really trying to be very hospitable right. like in And whether that be, like, having people just for a night, Mm -hmm. whether that be currently, as we speak, there's a college student whose uh, housing arrangements fell through. Sure. And so uh, we told him that he could stay with us. Room and board right there. Yes. But let me me say what that means, though. Like, what that means, like, we don't have a spare bedroom. Mm -hmm. So we've put our kids in one room. They're now sharing a room. They don't care. They're fine with it. They love it, actually. But, like, we're doing this not because... Uh, we had the room for it. We did this because we we're close to this kid, right? And we know his family, and we know him, and we're like, "Well, you're not gonna live out on the street, man. Right. Like, we were gonna put you somewhere, right?" And, and again, and I and I say that because I think hospitality is never convenient. Like, even if you're having somebody for dinner after a day of work, like that is not easy. Right. You know what I mean? Like, you you are sacrificing. You are. Right. Sacrificing some of your food, you're sacrificing some of your time, right. you're sacrificing your energy to basically serve somebody and basically for, be it two hours, however long they're in your house, right. to treat them as you treat people in your house, yep. which hopefully is very well. Right, right. But, and, I, and again, I say all of this to say that I think if, if we are looking for something that we all can do mm-hmm. very soon, if you feel convicted by what we've talked about here, and you're all like, man, how do I build community? Yep. Be hospitable. Yep. Like, have people over at your house and treat them like kings.
1: Yep, I agree.
0: And uh, and again, I think that there's a big shift that we all have to make in our minds to, like, go from Christianity that is about us to Christianity that is about the community. And I yep. think, like... Dude, there's so much, there's so much potential power in that. Sure. You know what I mean? And I think that as we think of the impact that we can have in our world, like we totally underestimate the power of a loving, caring, right. genuine community. Mm-hmm. And I feel like if we're all looking to grow our church, if we're looking to grow as individuals, because even you brought up something early on and I meant to bring it up earlier, um, if we are going to be part of a community, part of that, what that means is that we're going to let people in. Right. You know what I mean? And I think the scary part of this is that if we are going to build community, part of what that means is that we're just going to have to have conversations that we may necessarily want to have. Right. And we're going to have to share things that we may not necessarily want to share. As a matter of fact, uh, one of the upcoming topics that we have for this podcast is talk about confession, yep. which I'm really looking forward to. Because even that, like in an environment that is not safe, talking about your m- deepest vulnerabilities is super scary. Right. But if the community is a safe place, then it should be a time of refreshing, but yeah. that's all I'm going to say on that topic because it's the next thing we're going <laughs> to do. So, um, with all that being said, I think this is a good place to uh, close this here. Podcast, Sounds Perry. Good. uh, if you like what we do and you enjoy our podcast, uh, And if you'd like to support us, you can do so uh, at Patreon.com forward slash EtherMMC. After all, Perry is going to have to pay for his 10 children somehow. It's true. And so if you love what what we do, A, share it with people. Give us a thumbs up if you're watching this on YouTube or Facebook. And also consider supporting us on Patreon. And uh, you can always get in touch with us through social media. Uh, Rodrigo Ether uh, on Instagram and Twitter. Trembler of Days. Yes. Instagram right there. Exactly. So we'll put it somewhere here so you can see it. Yeah. Uh, And also you can uh, keep in touch with everything that we do at EtherMMC because we do several podcasts and stuff. So uh, thank you so much for watching slash listening, and we'll catch you on the next one.